There's a new music business for the 21st century, and now is the best time ever to be in the music business. Because of the new music business, the artist is in charge. My name's Rick Barker, and I've been blessed to make a living in the music business for almost 30 years. I'm a personal manager, author, speaker. Many know me as the manager who launched the career of Taylor Swift. But what I'm most proud of are the thousands of artists from around the world that I manage daily and help navigate this crazy business. This podcast is designed to keep you up to date with the changes in the business and to give you the mindset, tools, and resources that you need to succeed. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to introduce you to an artist who is doing a lot in the non-traditional gig space. She has figured out a way to kind of buck the system. You know, most people sit around, I need a booking agent, and they're waiting for the gigs that, quite honestly, most of the time they're not quite ready for. And while you're sitting around waiting and wishing and hoping, there are opportunities that are abound. And I wasn't even aware of a lot of them or didn't even think of a lot of them until I spoke uh, with Tara Brisky, who reached out through Instagram. We've been following each other for a while. And she's like, listen, I'm having a lot of success. I would love to share that with your podcast audience. So Tara, thank you so much for uh, be, being willing to share because a lot of times people are clingy to their information. They don't want to share. But the last I checked, you couldn't share uh, perform in every city in the world <laughs> right. every week. So what what do you got to lose? So thank you and welcome. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And it is great to share information because this is stuff that really I, I wish I had learned sooner. And and being actually kind of um, way back um, in my 20s, I was a little more competitive, so I probably wouldn't have. And now sure. I just realized there is there is abundance and there is opportunity for us as musicians. Like you said, I'm not going to perform in every city. No, no. And and tell us a little bit about who you are as an artist and the type of music that you do. I know when we were chatting, I think this is going to be very relevant to those solo artists and those acoustic duos and things like that. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, your journey and the type of music that you do. Cool. So I started early. Um, I'm from a musical family. I'm the youngest of three kids. And my dad's a pastor mom was like organist choir director so we were already kind of singing in the church but we started singing publicly as a family when i was six years old and that really got the bug in me to sing and to perform so as i got into um high school my middle brother jeff and i formed a duo now this is back in the 80s because i'm 53 i'll own my age it's fine and um when we were singing then i started booking at about age 15 and that's you know wow. pre-internet pre well, everything, you know, long distance was expensive. <laughs> and so then um, in college, I did go to college, got my music degree in music performance, but formed a band with my brother. And I started booking for a band in the early 90s or so. And all the time thinking, oh, we're going to get a record deal. Like that was always the thing in my head, you know, right. like we're going to get discovered. But that's what it was. We're going to get discovered. And instead of being a little more proactive, um, in other ways, but through the years, I, as I continued to book, the band lasted for a while, then I did some solo stuff. Um, I was in a girl duo for about nine years and then joined back up with my brother four years ago. And I found in the style of music too, that I eventually ended up in, it took me a while to find it, 
but um, I'm now in that more classic jazz, old Broadway. So okay. it's really kind of more that vintage music. Okay. And I'm so, yeah. So that's kind of been in a very short nutshell, my journey of music. Sure. And how many gigs a year are you doing right now? Well, right now, um, the last two years have been about 100 or so. But wow. starting about 2009, I was booking between 150 to 200. And that included, I had a year, I'm in Minnesota, okay. but I had a year that I lived in LA, uh, 2010, 2011. And I even booked 150 gigs there. And I, I have really found, you know, the only year, of course, like most artists in 2020, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I lost a lot of gigs. I think I lost 45 that I had booked by March and then did end up doing though about 65 gigs that year, mostly online, yep. but some in person too. See, so, and I think people forget that sometimes is that Facebook is an international gig. Instagram is an international gig. Twitter is an international gig. YouTube live is an international gig. Yeah, and yes. when you start adjusting your mindset, all of you have a venue every day that's open 24 hours, six days a week if you choose to use it. It's so true. If you choose to use it. But let's say that, you know, you don't want to go that route. You want to start getting out in front of an audience. I love the crawl before you walk theory, you know, before you're reaching out to, you know, talent buyers and things like that. The question they're going to ask is, how many shows do you currently do? You know, they're not looking for beginners, but there's a lot of places that are very forgiving to beginners. And that's where I would love to go in this next part of the conversation. What are some of these non-traditional uh, non venues that you found? And then I want to talk about the best way to reach out and approach them. So you rattled off this list to me and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. The one that stuck out the most was the library. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I just did one of those in December. So not that long ago. Um, so let's talk about the various places that people should be reaching out to or could be reaching out to. Yeah. And, and before I even say that, I just want to put uh, to let people know part of the reason I even love some of these places is because you don't have to bring in an audience like they're already there. And I think if you're just starting out or you're just getting back into it and you don't have this huge following yet, it's really important that you can find places where people are ready. They're going to come no matter what. Right. So such things like the summer concerts in the park series, those are literally, as I found all over, um, we certainly have them all over Minnesota, but sure, I, know I know we have them here in Nashville. Yep. Yeah. And so they're booking like these are things that people will come to just because they want to be outdoors and hear music and there's a budget for them that's another key part is that there are budgets in some of these things that i'm telling you about for you know you to actually get paid as an artist and so um those can be in small the sorry the summer cart concerts in the park that can be in small towns it can be in um suburbs you know cities also another thing that you can think about this especially for the fall will be apple orchards Mm. Um, that's something, especially if you do maybe even more family friendly music or kids music, they're bringing, you know, people, a whole family will go to those apple orchards, especially if you live in places where they exist. Sure. We have and pumpkin farms. We have, you know, all thing. the fall things people go out. I didn't even think of that. Okay. Yeah. And I've sung at those. I've sung at some apple orchards here in the Twin City area. Um, art fairs, you know, those are starting to come back now in 
in the summertime. And I, that's again, where all these little art vendors, you know, are displaying whether they paint or sculpt or sell jewelry. And a lot of times there's music at those events. And, you know, it's cool because people are walking by. There's a, there's a lot of traffic that you get by. And, and I will say this, they tend to almost stop for music more than they will sometimes stop for, you know, looking at a painting or. or well, I think else. too, what's interesting about that is people are going to these places with the intent to purchase. Right. Now they may be going with the intent to purchase, you know, fresh squeezed lemonade or strawberries or apples or whatever the case may be. Right. But I have seen artists who have a small little PA, something very minimal because you it's not about you, you know, you're like background, but as people are walking by and you have your merch and your CDs and things available like that and price them affordable, you know, where for five bucks, 10 bucks, somebody can pick up something and leave with something from you or business cards on the table where people can go to your socials. It's a great branding event. Now, a lot of those places may not necessarily pay you because they're they're providing you the audience. Honestly, you should be paying them. Everybody there selling <laughs> I know. bought their booth. You know, they paid to get in front of that audience. So if you can reach out to the organizer and say, hey, I would love to provide some background entertainment, mm -hmm. that would be something super cool for the experience and the exposure. And that's kind of the same thing I would say with farmers markets as well. Mm -hmm. That's another very similar thing where they're coming with a purpose, but you are there and they see and, and they hear music. That's the other thing. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's like that is something that can carry a little bit. So that can be um, really helpful. Uh, I was thinking of another place, and this might be not as much solos, but maybe more duos um, or even bands could do this, but rodeos. I remember contacting a couple of rodeos a few years ago and asking, do you have music at these events? And they do. And again, it's where it's part of the event. So yes, it's part of something else, but they tend to have a budget that they have for the musicians. And you've have people that are already coming in and probably people that, you know, if I'm thinking if you are a band and you're doing maybe country music, um, that would be a really key place to be going to and, and pursuing. Well, here in Nashville, when the rodeo comes to town, and I actually was a consultant for the PBR, Professional Bull Riders, for a wow. while, we had an outdoor stage and actually Cooper Tire sponsored it. So it was a nice stage and we had 10 bands that we needed all that day in order to do that. And uh, yeah, it was like 200 bucks a band or something like that. And we would usually look for local talent uh, or we had a few uh, baby acts from the labels that the label you know, said, hey, we want these 10 dates because they're going into these bigger markets. Uh, so they would book on to the Dallas and the Nashville and the Atlanta and things like that. So yeah, that's another great one. Well, and and one that, and I know this, this next one I'm gonna talk about are kind of the two together that a lot of people are starting to do, but that's wineries and breweries. Yep. And the thing is like when I started pursuing the winery market in 2011, right when I moved back to Minnesota, and I know it's weird, you know, you think, well, cold climate, how can you grow grapes. Well, they figured out how to do it. And so that's sure. why these wineries, when I Googled it, then there were 42 wineries in Minnesota. I just looked last night again, and there's over a hundred. And then the other one is breweries. Those have even popped up more. We had, I think almost none in about a decade ago. Sure. And there are over 150 just in Minnesota. 
So again, I'm, you know, I'm thinking if people want to, even if you wanted to tour, but tour locally, sure, you could literally be reaching out to all those places. Not all of them have music, not all of them pay, but that's quite a few places that are just local. And I, and I know that's true all over because I have friends in Indiana that are singing at wineries, friends in um, Virginia that are singing at wineries. So a lot of people in California doing the winery thing too, but I also think too is if you're a band that's touring and you haven't filled every day, these are great places on your off days to go in and maybe you're a full band, but you take the lead singer and the guitar player and you go and you do something at one of these wineries and you know the rest of the band can go out and wine taste or whatever and you get a chance to build your name in that market so the next time you tour four five six months later you can contact and say hey we recently played at a winery in your area and now you reach out to a venue uh, and let them know that your name is familiar with the crowd that goes out and drinks key for a lot of these bars and yes, things yes. like that so it's like you're almost you're driving through that town anyway why not stop when i was managing trent Harmon and we were out with rascal flats on our off days we did house concerts mm -hmm. we told fans hey if you're within this area just give us an audience you don't have to pay us but we're going to sell merch uh you're going to pass around a donation bucket and we were making six seven eight hundred dollars on our off days and building new fans and yeah. taking care of fans that had already supported you already I think too, to, to help people understand, like you don't always have to be in a city too. A lot of these like wineries and breweries are even in small towns. And so when you're saying even traveling, like, yeah, an off day, or you're going through an area, maybe you're, you know, if it's a major city tour, but then here's something that you can do where it's just traveling through. And I'm telling you people in small towns, when they come out for stuff, they appreciate it even more. Cause they don't have to drive to the big city to get their entertainment. Exactly. That's how the Nashville to you radio tour started as I was in San Inez. I was like between LA and people going up to Sacramento or San Francisco. And I said, Hey, why don't you make a ride off the one Oh one and come into my town? We'll take you wine tasting and feed you tri-tip. And they loved it. You know, and it's a lot right. of these littler towns is where more merch was sold, better meet and greets, people really want to support and feel like they get to know you and you're not competing with a lot of things because a lot of those towns have nothing going on right. there's just nothing there so yeah. you know they're excited to come out and see some live music yeah i i just i've my experience and and i grew up partly in small towns too so i think that's why i have a little heart for sure. that but but i just as i've experienced it even recently like there's a small town even close to the metro here that i'm i went last year with my brother we're going again this year and amazing audiences you know and right. people that tip and they buy your merchandise and so it's really a kind of a win-win. Sure, absolutely. So give us a couple other cool ones that we can think of. And then I wanna share one that uh, will start coming back now that, that COVID has passed that we were having some really good success with, so. Um, I think if you're in like, let's, I wanna just talk a little bit to people who are doing like the Christian music industry or sacred yep. music, because I think sometimes they forget at churches, there are things like women's teas um father's day events there's retreats there's conferences that happen at churches there's camps and all those different things especially when you're talking a bigger church they do have a budget for it mm -hmm. and that's good places to be reaching out to people especially now again since they are 
pretty much back open. I know it depends where you're at in the country, sure, but many places it is. Well, the good news at the recording of this, uh, the mask mandate for flying has been lifted. So I think if that happened, it's going to start opening up almost everywhere. Right. So that'll be I really agree. good. Um, another thing that might sound weird is either like high tea rooms or art galleries. So if you are more in even the classical mode or an instrumentalist, sometimes I know mm -hmm. instrumentalists, they still want to do stuff and they feel like, where am I going to go? You know, nobody's going to listen. And those are places that are a little bit more, they're mellower, <laughs> but they still will have musicians as part of, again, the experience that people are having. So those are, I think, great ones for that. Um, we did talk about libraries yeah. and those can be done. What ha I found in the last couple of years is they were doing a lot online. So you are not limited either to just the libraries in your area. Again, you can, if you're willing to go online, you might be able to reach out to people across the state or world. And so were they having music parties? Cause you think libraries, everybody be quiet people are there reading is it like evening events that they do at these libraries and stuff it's, just to try to get bodies in the building it's usually daytime and it's meant to kind of bring like family in so a lot of times okay. it is gonna, obviously going to be more family friendly sure. but you know a lot of programs can be that if you've got a historical program if you've got a kids program if you've got you know a certain era of music or style of music i mean i found that yeah it was usually in the daytime and people would just kind of come in for the event. I know it's kind of strange because I've played sure. them and it's weird. Like I'm used to the quiet in the library too, but for that hour, they wanted music and it brought people in. Awesome. So one of the things I had some pianist and jazz artists, solo jazz artist, And one of the things that we started doing is Mary Kay, Pampered Chef, any place oh. where people are bringing folks into their house in order to present and sell. And this was, there wasn't, we weren't, didn't have a vocalist. These were just the in instrumentalists that were playing in the background. And, you know, she was selling between 40 to 50, depending on the size of the crowd. Every person there bought a CD. Wow. Every person there. She wasn't trying to sell t-shirts at this event. She was just moving her music and they felt so inspired, but the Pamper Chefs, the Mary Kays, any of those multi-level marketing yes. people in your area. But think about this. You have a bunch of females coming to a Mary Kay event. They all then get cards, share cards, do book future house concerts and things like that. She was also booking additional gigs uh, while she was there because people wanted to know how they could do that at their house and do it for their friends. So yeah. any uh, there's a probably, you know, jewelry shows that are happening or any type of gathering that people are having at their house. This is a great way to come in and provide background noise, background music and build relationships in that market. And even if they don't have a budget, because a lot of times we can't expect someone who didn't even know that this was an option to have a budget because mm -hmm. they didn't know that it was an option. So right. when you reach out to them, they might ask you, how much do you charge? Well, that's a good sign that they see value and they're willing to spend and just negotiate at that point. Many times what I'll tell artists to do is you don't throw out the number, you get them to throw out the number. So you could say something like, well, did you have a budget in mind for something like this? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. What do you normally charge for a solo gig? 
$450. Now they've asked you how much something is. And they may think to themselves, oh, that's simple. Or they may say to themselves, okay, that's a little out of my range. And then you're like, okay, I'll tell you what, meet me halfway. And then I'll, and you never know. They may say yes. They may right. say no. They may, if you really want the gig, say, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we, I'll do it the first time. But I want you to promote my CD and stop and share with everyone why they should pick this up. And I, I have never met a host that said, nope, sorry. Uh, they're willing to do that. And when the host holds up your CD and walks around and guilts their friends, <laughs> different, different level yes. of purpose at that point. <laughs> it's true. I, I want to mention one more thing because it made me think when you were talking that, um, so one of the places that I sing at all the time are senior places like senior living. I love them. Assisted living, you know, independent living, memory care. But what I've also gotten from those places is that kind of very thing where someone hears me sing and then they've booked me for like a 90 year old birthday party, 100 year old birthday party. Um, sometimes even um, anniversaries like a, you know, 50th, 60th. Right. Um, and then even I mean, this is sad, but it's also you can be a blessing is funerals. I've literally sung for some funerals of people Interesting. that heard me, you know, initially at a senior place. And then they wanted me to come sing for the person when they died. One of the great things about the senior places, too, is I tell this to a lot of my artists that are just starting out, uh, is that's where you can get your chops. They're non-judgmental. They yes. absolutely adore young people. Anyone that's yes. that's sharing in Dallas Remington, love her to death. You know, she made that part of her her giving is that she would perform at these these senior living places. And that, like I said, that's just it's it's good for the heart. It's good for the soul. It's good for the karma bank. And it's great practice. It really is because they're not going to judge you. They don't care if you're singing off key. They don't care about anything. You know, you want to get comfortable in front of an audience playing a guitar and singing. That's where I would start. Yeah. And they like you say, age, if you're basically younger than them, they think you're young, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so they're and, and actually even the senior places to know that as well, even if you are, you know, let's say coming back to music, because I know there's a lot of people even in their 50s and 60s coming back to music. They're a great place to start. Like yep. you said, get your chops back. They do actually have budgets as well because they have an entertainment budget. Right. So it's it's kind of, again, win-win. And those people, yes, they love you. They appreciate it and they will tell you. So if you just need even some encouragement as an artist, they're your people. That's it. That's it. All right. Let's wrap up a couple more and then let's tell people where they can follow you and you know share your journey with them. Yeah, I, th I think um, some of the other places, I'm trying to think what I haven't mentioned yet. Oh, um, besides like the summer concert parks, there's also every, I would say like, maybe not every town, but a town of a certain size or suburbs will have these like days. Like where I live, we have River City Days or um, Fire and Ice Days. And so there's these events that they're sponsoring again, like this, you know, suburb, city, whatever. And they will often ha have tons like they might even have different stages of music going on and mm -hmm. some are more for like the solos, some are for the duos um some are for the bands but that's a great one county fairs is another one the state fair if you have those i mean sometimes they're a little harder to get but right. they're still possible well and they have they have stages all day long so yes, yes they're gonna get the urban at eight o'clock at night but all day long they have all to day. fill 
entertainment. And the last one that I'm going to leave you guys with, and this is something that's happening here a lot, and it's starting to happen more, are food trucks are making their ways to neighborhoods. So there'll be five or six different food trucks that show up in a neighborhood for a couple hours reach out to that neighborhood, reach out to one of the food trucks and say, hey, who booked you guys to come into Bennington Place, which is where we live? And then reach out to that person and say, hey, do you mind if I show up and set up a little area? I'm a, an acoustic guitar player. and No one is going to say no to free entertainment. <laughs> and once again, people are coming up, they're grabbing their food, they're sitting around, you're in the neighborhood, sell some merch, all of a sudden find someone book a house concert from that particular neighborhood, but right. more and more, uh, we have them a lot here. We have every weekend, there's a place where 15 food trucks are at and people go out wow. every weekend because they want to go get the lobster rolls. You know, they want to go get whatever it is, but I would even start looking for types of things like that. Wherever people are gathered, mm -hmm. that's what you want to look for. Yes, it would be great to open up for every headliner that comes to your town. Yes, it would be great to play the biggest bar in your town. But one of the things that Tara said that's super important is built-in audience. Don't put the pressure on yourself to have to fill a room yet, mm -hmm. especially if you're not there. Get your chops down. Get to know these folks. Build your email list of the people in that area. So yeah, then you yeah. can reach out to a venue that says, hey, I've got 150 people from St. Paul, Minnesota on my email list, and I've played the area five times. You don't have to tell them where you played five times unless they ask. Right, but right. when they see, and a lot of times if they see that you're the type of artist that's willing to get your hands dirty and do the non-sexy gigs, that stands out to me as someone who's a hustler mm -hmm. and someone who I want to get on board with them early on, because if they have that much hustle to go play the places that most artists wouldn't even think of playing. That's yeah. the type of person I want to start building relationships with. Yeah. Such a great point. <laughs> awesome. So where can people find you? Um, they can find me at tarabriskie.com. I'll spell it. It's T-A-R-A-B-R-U-E-S-K-E. Cause it looks like Ruski. Tarabriskie.com. Yes. When um, she books herself at the, uh, at the, uh, the beer gardens, though, she calls herself Tara Bruce. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I was named for this. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and um, TikTok at Tara Brisky Music. Yeah. And I'll make sure that there's links uh, available to reach out as well. Once again, I just want to say thank you for reaching out and being so willing to share. Uh, I know people are going to get a lot from this. Everybody go follow her. Tell her thank you. DM her. And Hey, uh, go look at what she's doing and duplicate it. Take her model and make it your own. Put your own spin on it. But the fact that she was willing to share this, what she's saying is now you don't have an excuse. If this 53-year-old <laughs> female who's gone through many transitions in many cities can book 100 dates a year, so can you. Thank you again, my dear. I always appreciate our conversations. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast and thank you for the question. As you see, there is no one size fits all model with the music business, so I do appreciate that. To help you figure out where you are and where you want to get to, head on over to the website, rickparker.com and take the Are You Ready for a Manager assessment. While you're there, you can also click on the podcast link and leave a message. And who knows, maybe you'll be featured in an upcoming episode. If you know someone who can benefit from this, I would really love it 
if you would give it a share, if you would subscribe it onto whatever platform that it is that you're listening to, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Ciao. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there.